definitely human. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode 62. It's spring. It's so glorious on the farm at the moment. There's a nice cool breeze. The sun is shining. Everything is so vibrantly lush green. I'm trying to keep on top of the weeds like mad, mowing every single week. Um, especially in the vineyard um, and the veg garden just looks like an absolute total state I'm not quite able to do as much now I've just reached third trimester in pregnancy which is very exciting um, so yeah I'm taking it slower than usual although arguably still doing as much as I possibly can because I can't sit still for one moment so a few weeks ago I went to go and meet with Jim and Amy Taylor um, they are on a farm just a couple of hills away and they have been keeping sheep on our farm for a couple of years now. Last year they came in and did some rotational grazing on our silage ground that basically didn't grow because uh, of all the drought that we had last year. And then the year before we did the golden hoof um, where we sort of planted lots of root veg and they came in and um, grazed on that over winter. Um, they have a mixed arable and livestock farm and they're very regenerative farming, which is quite different around here. I feel like farmers tend to specialise, whether it's sheep farms or dairy farms, what Jim and Amy are doing is more regenerative. So I was really keen to talk to Jim about what regenerative means, what he sees as being regenerative, because I think the term gets banded around quite a lot now. Um, traditionally, regenerative farming should be producing food whilst at the same time improving the environment rather than depleting. So reducing the use of artificial fertilizers, improving soil with sort of cover crops and rotation and using livestock to graze at the same time to improve soil structure and land management. So I met with Jim in the yard, stood next to his gorgeous new suckler herd, which I feel like I should explain, suckler herd refers to cows or heifers that rear their own calves. So unlike dairy, basically, where the calves get taken away very young. Jim is clearly very passionate about what he does and about farming, um, and it was a real pleasure to speak to him. So I'll stop waffling and I'll hand over to the interview with Jim. Bloop, bloop, bloop. I'm probably not going to be the most popular person it's not going to be the most popular opinion but i'd sooner see people buy far better quality meat direct from farmer pay a little bit more for it but eat less of it instead of eating it seven days a week maybe twice a day but buying what they can afford to be able to do that it's this convenience that everybody's now 
got used to and it's um people don't like change do they well yeah it's what you're you're used to as you say and you would have you know back when my mum was a kid you'd have a big sunday roast and then you'd eat it for the rest of the week you know and you'd make it last exactly it yeah yeah you know that would be your sandwiches i suppose regenerative farming for us it's a funny one really because there's um there's a lot of people talking about regenerative farming now and there's a lot of companies that are using using it as as just a bit of an advertising Mm -hmm campaign so um, for anybody that's never heard of regenerative farming before how would you best describe it you once said to me it was biology instead of chemistry it's uh, that's essentially it it's biology in, instead of chemistry it's actually quite a complicated one because it can mean something different to a lot of different people um i mean for me it's regenerating the soils it's regenerating the environment around you and to be honest a lot of it's regenerating the mind you know the people within that business because when you start jumping into this sort of farming, I heard a, I heard someone um, talking about it once, and actually it summed it up quite well. Farmers are quite well known for being problem solvers. Well, the last few years, problem solving's kind of been taken out of farmers' hands, whether it comes in a plastic bottle, in a bag, in the fact that there's GPSs on the tractors now, in the fact that the tractors put out exactly the amount of seed that the book says it needs to problems on farm are being solved less and less by the farmer and actually when you need to fix a problem and you can't just go straight to the chemical store or whatever feed supplier you're using you've got to solve that problem within the system that you're running it's looking at things holistically and that's a lot of the sense behind the sucklers actually to be honest is it's not just looking at them as this is the beef side of what we're doing it's looking at how that can enhance our sheep side it's looking at how that can enhance what we're because i'm really keen to try and get people on farm as well so it's looking at how that can benefit from that side of things um it's looking how it can benefit us because at the end of the day they rear the calves i haven't got to be in there at half five six o'clock every morning giving those calves milk because these these are doing it for me so it's stepping back and looking at things in a slightly different way and it's it's remembering that they were all able to do it before we got involved mm-hmm. whether that's the cattle whether that's the sheep whether that's the grass whether whatever that is it was all happening before we decided to get involved and start messing around with it so why can't we step back a little bit say you get on with it and we'll help them through it and try and create a product that people want, good for the environment, good for the consumer, really. Um, there's not a lot of nutritional value behind a lot of the salads and stuff like that that you find in the, in the shops. It's a vastly different world to what our parents grew up in. Um, lamb. Lamb's the one that really frustrates me, saying that we um, we can't produce enough lamb to sustain our um, our consumption, but we can. Yeah, don't we export a lot of lamb? We export a huge amount of lamb. But we're told to believe what we need to believe, I suppose. The trouble is, on the farm level, you haven't really got much say over mm. over what happens. At the moment, we're waiting for the government to come out and say what the new subsidies are going to be or how they're going to help. But to be honest with you, I, do, I don't think what they're trying to do... I, I agree with what they're trying to do, because um, we're in the pilot scheme, and everything that they're trying to achieve makes sense. Mm. Um, they maybe haven't executed it in the correct way, but... If all it means is that people have to change the way they farm, well, is that a bad thing? Mm. But it's the payments around it, it's everything, it's the execution behind it. They haven't got quite right. I think they'll get there, but I'm quite a fan of the, um, the stewardships, to be honest. We, we've got a lot of stewardship agreements on 
um, on this place and they seem to work quite well for us because um, again you can you can look through it and it's not about just taking huge great areas of land out of production it's about choosing the right ones putting them in the right place to benefit the system that we're currently trying to run and it's that it is actually working really well but you know it'd be lovely to think that we could do it without government support but we're we're miles away from that currently you got rid of a lot of your sheep last year yeah and you downsized which was just in time for the drought which was yeah lucky. yeah <laughs> yeah and so what's your focus this year um focus this year while our sheep numbers are relatively low our cattle numbers will be a lot lower as well as we try and transition more to i say more but as we transition towards the sucklers is to try and implement the grazing system that i've sort of had in the back of my head for a long time and really sort of get that right and then hopefully as things start like sheep numbers start picking up again we're doing it off a basis of a working system there's a lot of infrastructure to put in and there'll be a lot of learning that comes with it as well you know we've done a lot of um, rotational grazing with sheep and whatnot but most of what I've done is with with the cattle and it has it works it works really quite well but I'm sort of going to try and push that to another level I think we're also hopefully doing a trial with a seed company for summer grazing cover crops okay trying to fill the gap you know even on a year where we don't have a severe drought there's always those weeks where grass growth really takes a dive which normally works in time for having lambs that you know wean lambs and whatnot so yeah we've got this trial with a seed company for um, some fairly diverse summer grazing cover crops which will hopefully go in as soon as the soil start um picking up graze them off in the summer ready to go into um the next crop after that or depending on what's there um leave them leave them and just see what happens basically sounds like you're always learning and sort of constantly (laughs) changing and seeing what works yeah maybe a little bit too much but i don't know i like um i like trying new things Mm. um not all of it works but when it does it feels (laughs) it feels quite nice yeah we had a little glamping site that we started that in covid that worked really well yeah we do christmas events around the farm cover the yard in lights and whatnot amazing which that always goes down quite well we've got a nursery here on the farm as well which is a good way of bringing young families to understand the farm and you know encouraging them to come to events it's great that's amy's parents they they started that nursery back in uh, it's just after foot and mouth you know it's getting kids outside um they've got poly tunnels down there so they're they're out gardening it's um it's brilliant and then obviously they can come out onto the farm and have farm tours and yeah it's absolutely renowned as the best nursery you know around it is uh, i mean i probably sound would be a bit biased but (laughs) all our kids go there so (laughs) yeah so do you find the tourism angle sort of helpful more of a help than a hindrance i think (laughs) uh, we all like to grumble about them but we live in a beautiful part of the world yeah, I think we need to capitalise on the tourism side more. And actually, to be honest, I think we can capitalise on the locals more, a lot more as well because there's not actually a huge amount to do in this area. Now, you know, if anybody, if anybody wanted to come and have a look around and what we do, I'd be more than happy because you know I just like talking about well, farming. To be honest, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, are you it from a good. farming family originally? What made you want to get into farming? Yeah, so I, so I'm from I'm from the Midlands originally. Um, we had a far well, we have a farm in the family. Um, it's my uncle's, and I 
I, I've always loved it, but more from the tractor side. Um, and it, it was, there was a suckler herd on it in the early days, but again, foot and mouth, that was the end of the sucklers. And then the government, in their wisdom, decided that farmers specifying was the way to go. So they went down the arable roots so they now grow quite a lot of potatoes um, and that's kind of what got me into farming is is the arable so I'm very much from an arable background which I, I suppose possibly is a reason why I'm quite willing to look at doing things in a different way but yeah that that was very much me I mean before so I met Amy at Harper Adams University um, and before I met Amy I'd never Never, never touched a sheep, never touched a cow. Um, then I decided to shear sheep. So I did quite a lot of shear contracting when I first moved to Devon. I, um, I don't, don't really have enough time for it anymore, which is a bit annoying because I quite enjoyed, uh, yeah, quite enjoyed shearing. Um, but I mean, it was good because it, it, it was probably the best thing I could have done at the time was because um, it got me out on a lot of different farms. I was looking at a lot of different systems. Mm. Bit of a baptism of fire, I suppose. Yeah, I think that sounds good because yeah, I think a lot of farmers say they grow up on the farm and they do things their parents did yeah. and, you know I think yeah to get out there yeah. and see as much as you can and decide for yourself is good oh so I'm just up in the vineyard I am just starting bud rubbing for the season which is my first time doing it ever we have trained the vines up to the first fruiting wire and then they're covered in buds from top to bottom. Each bud will give you a new arm or stem, basically. So it's not going to grow any taller from where we trained it up to the first wire, but we are now looking to train the buds or the arms or stems that come either side along either side of the wire. So it's as if a person stood with their arms out. I'm doing the motion now, not that you can see me. Um, and so everything that's growing basically knee down needs to be taken off. Um, you don't want the plant to put so much energy into producing all these stems when really you only want the top few. This year I'm keeping about five on the top which will then come out like a big tree into the canopy, give us lots of grapes for our first harvest. Then this winter I will prune off three of them and so I'm left with two and so then two will be trained like arms along and then next year those two will be covered in buds five to eight either side and then those arms will be trained up so again, it would be like a tree kind of thing. So even though I've got 5,000 vines, I really like being able to see each one, how it's growing differently. Just this winter gone, we did stem selection where we decided which one was the stem to keep for the year, which one was the strongest stem, which one was the straightest, which is going to make the best trunk. Right now, it's about, I mean, just under my finger's width, I'd say, whereas we want it to get to be the size of your arm. So it's going to get quite impressive over the next few years. I don't know what I was on in the winter when we were tying things in to protect against the wind because now I'm going up and I'm finding that some of them have two or three ties on. I think I was I think I was in my first trimester. I was nauseous all the time. David was helping me in the vineyard. We were, you know, bending and it was quite a lot of work and I think I was just thinking, right, just more ties the better. But now as I lift up the sleeves like so um, you can't afford to have the ties too low or it catches and then you rip the buds off um, so I did want to experiment with taking off the rabbit guards altogether because now the trunk is quite woody and talking to Matt at Lob um, which is a vineyard just a mile away from us he said that actually rabbits can be good in the vineyard because they do all the bud rubbing for you i.e. they nibble off the shoots as far as they can reach which is essentially just down from your knee height so I did test one 
and I can confirm they have nibbled the buds off but in taking it off I then knocked off a couple of the very key buds that I would have wanted to keep on the top because they're so fragile you know these big juicy buds just one knock and they fall right off so that was a bit of a lesson and this winter I will take off the guards so before I tie in the two arms either side I will take off the guards then they will grow free and it should be easier weed management as well I was looking into spraying under the vines but then I decided I didn't want to do that because of soil health and you know I didn't want to have to use weed killer it seems like such a hardcore thing. I mean it's all trial and error and when I look at what other vineyards are doing you know everybody's asking the same questions and so I I feel like it's all a matter of choice and um seeing you know which way you want to go there's no right or wrong answer basically. <laughs> so I've lifted up the guards having a little weed in underneath each one, trying to do what I can. The buttercups are quite ferocious, if you can imagine. So throwing those either side. Oh God, I've got like a little ladder to like lean on versus bending down all the time because it's getting quite uncomfortable to bend these days. So I'm just ripping off the buds at the very base. And then it gets a bit tricky because you've then got to reach your hand up inside and try and find... Oh my god, try and pull what you can get in there. <laughs> There's one. And then if I pop that down and then reach and pull from the inside what I can see of the other. So I think by pulling off what I can see, it's not going to get too humid in there and I'm not going to have to worry about spraying against downy or powdery mildew like I did last year because it creates a bit of an ecosystem in there. I can see lots of little grape clusters coming already, which is so exciting. Um, how many have I got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, I've kept quite a few on there, so I'm going to pull one off. There we go. Lovely. And then on to the next one. If you're too heavy handed, as I said, you can knock the buds off and then that's it. You've totally ruined it for the next year, which is so important to train them, um, especially the buds at the top. So, yeah, there's a lot of learning to do and every year something new to do, which I love. Um, but yeah, I'm just not quite physically in the state to be able to do everything I once was, but I'm just taking it slowly. It's so much nicer now than it was in the winter and we were doing the pruning and you're just out in grueling, you know, wind and rain. Uh, whereas right now it's beautifully sunny, a nice light breeze. Um, yeah, it's just glorious and I love it. And mum's out here helping me as well. Um, yeah, and we're just cracking on. The vines look so beautiful this time of year. They unfurl their leaves. The buds, it looks like it should be flowering almost, but they unfurl into all these leaves that are like a lime green and then tinged with pink on the outside. It's just so pretty. Everything just looks absolutely gorgeous. Everything's slowly greening up. We've been furiously uh, mowing the vineyard every week um, to try and keep on top of the grass, which just grew rampant over the winter. The rabbits are going mad. Every time I walk into the vineyard, I see a rabbit scamper off. Um, but as long as they don't get a taste for the grapes then they're all right <laughs> i think we should have seen the last of the frost risk so i'm not too worried about that with the vines now um my auntie who lives in somerset had like a freak hailstorm the other day and her garden was like a a, a meter underwater which was very scary 
Um, and I do think we're starting to see more extreme weather patterns. And so that always worries me with the vineyard that you just don't know what's ahead. I mean, not that we're going to have, you know, we're not going to be sitting in rain because we're right on top of the hill. Um, but things like Storm Eunice last year and freak weather occurrences anyway, you know, you never know what the season's going to hold. So right now I'm feeling very optimistic and I'm very excited because, you know, next year we should have our first harvest if the weather goes our way. And so I'm hoping for not another drought. I'm hoping for a nice wet start to the season, which we've had, which the vines are really appreciating, and then a dry, hot sort of end of summer. So keep fingers crossed for me, guys. This year is going to be our year. Woohoo! I'm just a girl anticipating, assuming, expecting, and hoping for a better season ahead. Please, please, please. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast, on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod, and on TikTok at Back to Earth Charlie. Music is by John Day. Artwork is by Eric Chow. And this episode was edited, of course, by my husband, David Knight. Thank you, guys. And of course... <laughs> If you want to support Back to Earth, you can rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye. Please, please, please. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.